0: Oh, good morning again, Redeemer family. My name is Israel Martinez, and I have the blessed privilege of serving here as uh, your lead pastor. And I want you to know, man, God loves you. No matter what is going on in the world, if you are his child, like he loves you, he knows you, he is real, Um, I I hope with all the things going on in the world right now, that we kind of take that time to just breathe and, and look up and maybe stop looking down at our, old, our own stories, although they are very important, um, and think of what the Lord is doing worldwide. Um, he, he is a God of love. He is a God that is sovereign. He's over everything, all the details, all the things that we, we can get so we can fret about and like we, we can't see, we don't know, but God is good. And so if you know him, know that he loves you. Um, and, and, and I want you to know, if you're a guest here, that you are welcome dearly. Um, we uh, want you to feel the love of God, and we hope that you would connect with us today. We have a connect card that you can fill out at the end of service. We'd love to get to know you a little more and connect with you. And so today, I, I want to start a little differently. I want to start, we have a bigger text today. So I just want to start reading and kind of sharing the story. So it's, it's a story. Um, so listen to the story. We're going to be in John 9. So if you have your Bible, opened it up, turn on your device, and we're going to be right there in John 9 where we can kind of come into the story of where we've been. Jesus has been saying that he is God. He's been saying he's the light of the world, and everybody's mad at him. (laughs) His disciples don't even quite understand yet what is going on. And so join with me in John 9, and we're going to start there. We're going to go all the way to verse 23, and then we'll look at verse 24 and 41 as the main uh, teaching sections of our text today. And so we'll, we'll cover the whole of John 9. And so read with me, John 9. It says, as he, Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. And the neighbors and those who had seen him before, as a beggar, were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It's he, it is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how are your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I I do not know. And they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. And so they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes. And he said, He is a prophet. Ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age, ask him. And so today, we're going to focus on uh, John nine twenty four through 41 uh, in a sermon titled, But Now I See. So said more fully, we're going to worship and learn that, that Jesus heals humanity to see now. But our culture, our family, and ourselves are blind, but in Christ we can see. And so, um, you see, this ability to see is one of the most common and helpful functions of uh, the human life. You see, blindness is the lack or the limit of sense of sight. we know that, right? But it limits one's ability to see what is right in front of them or around them. And so without sight, as a human, you are limited. And you're not able to function in many areas of human life. Now, um, you can still taste, you can hear, you can feel pleasure. Um, um, but if you are completely blind, when you hug your loved ones, you can't see their face. You can't see what they look like. And so blindness limits the the full joy and pleasure of having um, your eyes host the sight of your family and friends or or, or the one that you love, your beloved, or the, the sweet little children's faces. You see, blindness' greatest limitation is that also of protection, While many people with blindness actually learn to use their other senses in amazing ways, and they hear better than us, and they smell better than us, and they can do things that we can't do, it's like a spidey sense. But no matter how good those senses are, the blind need guides to help them move around and to do tasks that seeing people take for granted. And so you, you see in their home, maybe they can move around and they can turn off the lights and they can, they know, I mean, with the lights off, like, I know I could do that. When I turn off the lights, I kind of know where to go. But if I'm, if I'm in a busy street, right, and, and things are changing, you're in an environment where, where things are changing and, and, and things are surrounding you, a blind person will struggle. They, they will lose their sense of directional orientation and, and the blind are limited to where they can go. They, they literally can't see because of this limitation, and, and, and there are heightened dangers and threats they face that a seeing individual doesn't have to face. And, and so physical blindness is limiting, right? We know that. But our text today, use the metaphor of blindness, will address spiritual blindness. And so we, we've all, we're all grown up. We've all kind of understand blindness. But I want us to think about looking at our own hearts. We're going to look at a blindness of the mind and the heart, and so, like the religious leading Jews in the text we read above, I want you to ponder and ask the Holy Spirit right now. Maybe some ways that you have been spiritually blind. What what are you blind to? What are your blinders, or what uh, what are your spiritual blind spots? What things in life cause you to go spiritually blind, wandering into darkness, confusion, chaos, and lostness? Again, what are you blind to? What blind spots do you have? Again, today we're going to read John 9 and focus on John 9, 24 through 41, on a sermon titled, But Now I See. And said more fully, we're going to worship and learn that Jesus heals humanity to see now. But our culture, our family, and ourselves are blind, um, but in Christ we can actually see. And so let's look at our text in John 9, 1 through 18 and kind of review, and we're going to get our first few points from the first part of the text. And we see our first point today, that Jesus heals humanity. He actually heals humanity. He heals us to see now, but our culture can't see, and that affects us. So let's look at John 9, Actually, uh, John 9, 8 through 10. I'm just going to kind of summarize some of these important verses here. Look at John 9, 8 through 10. It says, "Uh, The neighbors and those who had seen him before, the blind man, as a beggar, were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. And others said, No. But he is like him. And the blind man, he kept saying, I am the man, like I'm the one. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? They're so confused. You see, the Jews here were so entrenched in their culture and rule following legalistic ways that they could not see in their hearts and they could not believe in their hearts that Jesus had done a a miracle. Look at what they say in verses 9 through uh, 13 through 18 again. It says, they brought to the Pharisees the man. So the blind man was brought to these leaders who... Had been a f- uh, this man who was form- who was formerly blind. Now he can see. Verse fourteen. And it was a Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is a very important day for the Jews to keep. Um, we are supposed to honor the Sabbath day. The, the Ten Commandments are not abolished. But how do we do that? We abide in Jesus. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. And Sunday is not the Sabbath nor is Saturday. But I would encourage you. This is just a little side note. If you don't Sabbath, if you don't have a practice of resting in Jesus, abiding in Jesus, and then I would even encourage you to do that practically. Um, uh, we are trying to be like God. Jesus and God called us to Sabbath. But Jesus, the Bible says that ma- the Sabbath was made for man. man um, I mean, man was made for the, for the Sabbath. I'm sorry. The Sabbath was made for man. And so the man has dominion over the Sabbath. We have dominion over the Sabbath. And so Jesus is, is showing that here because it says in verse 14, now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And so the Pharisees asked, asked him again, and they were mad about this, we see, how he had received his sight. And they said to them, he put mud on my eyes. Jesus spit on the ground, that seems kind of weird, and put mud. And, he, and the man went and washed, and he says, now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. They, they, they were trying to accuse Jesus of doing something um, wrong. But we know Jesus was perfect. So Jesus, again, shows that uh, we have authority uh, through him over the Sabbath. It's still a good principle to Sabbath. It's how we honor Ten Commandments. But we have dominion over that through Christ. So they say, but others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? They're talking about Jesus. They're seeing him as a sinner. And, and, And he says, and there was a division among them. So now the religious leaders are split. They're like, well, I don't know. Verse 17 says, so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And the blind man said, he's a prophet. I mean, he's obviously something. And the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. So we can see our first point teaches uh, that Jesus heals humanity to see now, but our culture can't see. So don't believe the lies of the culture, right? The, 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 the Jews literally had and, and they, they weren't necessarily there, but they had witnessed this blind man. They saw him every day, and now they see that they, they, they're like, man, this guy can actually see. But because of all their cultural trappings, they couldn't see. And so we should not believe the lies of the culture. Satan is going to come. Remember, he is the father of lies is what our last two weeks we saw. He's going to come and tell you all kinds of things about yourself, about your, 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 your growing up, your background, all this victim mentality stuff that you can't do this. You can't do this. You are this. He's going to attack your character. He's going to make you feel small. And that doesn't mean that you, there are things we need to work on, right? The Holy Spirit will reveal those things. But Satan comes and twists even convictions and tries to, to trick you. And everybody's different in this, but you have to pay attention. We, we can't believe the lies of our own culture. You see, whether it's religious or secular culture, we are all actually worshiping something. We all have blinders that our culture, may it be our American culture or any other culture that we are part of, that have influenced us to think that we can actually see clearly when we are obviously blind. This is a scary thing because being an American, Americans are like, we don't have culture. We're like, yeah, you do. You talk like this, you say waffles. British people say waffles. It sounds a little, little nicer, right? Water. They're like, you guys say waffles. It sounds weird. We think we sound normal. We sound weird. We, say, we have an accent and people make fun of it, Right? Um, there's a whole, uh, there's this funny little uh, video of like the same woman who's coming to a college class and she, she speaks in a nice British accent the whole time. And then she comes and speaks like in an American, like a New York kind of accent, the whole, you know, she kind of talks like this. And then the third time she speaks in a Southern accent, you know. And so they, they do this survey and people think the more American and the more Southern she is, the dumber she is. They're like, man, she was so smart when she talked in that British. So that's how we are, okay? With our own culture deceives us. We don't think we have any flaws, and we do. We act weird. We're loud American. Even if you're a quiet American, you're loud. You go to Europe, and they're like, you're talking on the train, and they're like, quiet, man, please. We we rest on the train. Japanese rest on the train. Europeans, Germans rest on the train. Americans are loudmouths, right? We don't even see our own blind spots. Because there's an arrogance that when you walk in your own culture, you can't see. And so the truth is, honestly, the blind is oftentimes leading the blind. Satan is this father of lies. Like we've learned the last two weeks, he wants to seek, kill, and destroy you, your life, and your family. And we are in a spiritual battle that calls us to actually fight what our culture teaches us to see that is against Jesus. Not everything in our culture is bad. You see, culture in itself is not bad. There's a lot of good cultures and a lot of good in the idea of culture. We all have a culture. We sometimes have multiple cultures in our, in our families, in our jobs, different teams we're on, uh, churches, and even in our countries. And there are various subcultures and subthemes in various Cultures. Most people, just like anything, when they're like, I don't care about culture, or they're like, I don't care about basketball, basketball, it's because they can't play, right? So so a lot of times we're arrogant, we're like, oh, I don't really care about culture. Okay. It's because you may be ignorant in culture, in your own culture and other people's culture. Jesus was one who knew culture and who stepped into. He's a God of saving all nations and all kinds of peoples and tribes and tongues, and you see even the tension in countries now because of this lack of uh, caring or understanding other people's culture. But what is culture? Culture is simply, think of this, symbolic communication, okay? Said in a, in a more full way, culture is a way of life it, 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 of a group of people. It's the way of life of a group of people. It's the behaviors, the beliefs, the values, the symbols that they accept, generally without thinking about them, that are passed along by communication, verbal, nonverbal, and imitation from one generation to the next. And so in a sense, again, culture is symbolic communication. So culture allows us to see and accept things a certain way. So our first point is clear, that Jesus heals humanity to see now, but our culture can't see. And so don't believe the lies of the culture when you start to only see things with those blinders from our culture that are actually evil, bad, and straight-up sinful, man, we, would have, we will fall for Satan's trap of not pursuing God, the Father, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We become spiritually blind, and, and when the culture does this, it then also impacts our immediate culture, our family. Okay? Some of you may be married, some of you may not be. There's different layers to this, but we're going to see our story helps us see this. So um, again, it, it impacts, culture impacts our immediate culture, which is our family, which leads to what our second point teaches today, where we see that Jesus heals humanity to see now, but our family can't see Look at verses um, 9, 18 through 23. We'll kind of summarize this first chunk of the text. It says, The Jews did not believe that he had been blind. They, they knew that, I mean, that, that he had been blind and received his sight. They think it's a different guy or something. Until they called who? The parents of the man who received who had received his sight. Verse 19. And they asked him, Hey, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but now he sees, and we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. They're like, leave us alone. He will speak for himself. This isn't just like parents being nice. Look at verse 22. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. Those were the religious leaders, not just any Jew because Jesus was a Jew. Everybody in this context is a Jew. Talking about the religious leaders here. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should, anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. And so he says, therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So in our second point, we're studying the story of the text and learning the biblical principles. This is how you should look at scripture. We're looking at these principles or truths that we see here in the text because of how the story flows. So we see the religious leaders are what? They're mad because Jesus is disrupting the flow of their culture. And then we see these religious leaders go after the family of the blind man, specifically his parents. And I'm not saying this metaphor is exactly right, but you can kind of see these kinds of things. When Jesus does something miraculous, he, 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 attacks, um, he attacks the family. So look, it says, we see the parents did what? The parents feared The Jews. Jesus says there's a whole theme in the New Testament to not operate or live in anxiety. And we make excuses. I'm not saying anxiety is not a real thing. Everybody has anxiety. Everybody does. Oh, I'm so anxious. Okay, welcome to the club, Right? That's a big mental illness and all health and all. I'm not saying it's not real, but we have become victims. You think people for 6,000 years didn't have those issues? Of course they did. But not abiding in Jesus, and I'm not saying there's not a place for, for, um, for medical stuff and, 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 and for some help there, but medication is not the way. If, you, if someone hits your brain and you get a concussion, you will, you will have brain damage. So there is something where the physical and the spiritual are connected and, and mental, okay? So I'm not saying that, but, man, we have become and played the victim so much in our culture, right? And I get it. I've been to war. I've been through some hard times. I've dealt with some, some mental stuff. Like, I get it. I'm right there with you. But that's not an excuse, right? To worship those things, to fear, to live in anxiety. But the parents, they, they, had, they, they, they feared the Jews. They feared man instead of God. And it says, because of the consequence of, of being what? Put out of the synagogue. Okay. What does that mean? So they had this fear. Now, the synagogue was the religious center of worship. In many senses, it's where one could display and present one's cultural, again, status and value. And so the synagogue was and still are today. They're places of worship, culture, status, and learning. They're like a church, school, and a social club all tied up in one. And Jews still worship in synagogues today. And and Jesus uh, worshiped in the synagogue. And this was where he often taught and was confronted. And so we see in our text, again, that the blind man's parents did not want to be put out of the synagogue. They wanted to keep their status and their culture, and they feared man instead of God. And this is not always uh, the case, but often um, with family, uh, it often becomes the case with family when you choose to follow Jesus. You often have to make a choice. You see, when we are called to see Jesus clearly as he truly is, even our own family oftentimes will not see it, and they won't stand for Jesus themselves. And even if our family does do this, because sometimes the family will, even if our family um, does not do this, if your family is great and your family loves Jesus, amen, because that's a true thing as well, okay? Um, but oftentimes, if it's not you, and in America, sometimes we don't face this as strong, there are brothers and sisters in the church that that will be rejected by their family. I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about the global church. And Sometimes in America, this happens. But especially in other countries and other cultures, if you choose to follow Jesus, it mean, this means that you are cut off from your family and there is a cost for you in following Jesus. Like there's an actual cost where you... Uh, um, know that once you confront your family about the truth of Jesus in many countries today, you will be rejected and ostracized and viewed as a traitor if you choose to follow Jesus. Death may even be upon your doorway. Now, this happens again different in America. I want us to think about our culture. How does this happen in our culture? It's different. There are some families that may reject you in the same way we talked. There may be some, some of y'all's families be like, no, you're a Christian, I hate you. Okay. That, that may happen, but often. Um, what happens in America, it looks a little different. Since our American culture has valued freedom and independence, okay? So we're like, yeah, America, freedom, independence. We, we've, we value those things. So your, your family still may communicate with you. It, it, they may be rejecting you, but they still may talk to you. They may communicate you. But oftentimes, when you really follow Jesus and go against our culture, even your family, uh, your family, like the parents in our text, they start to think, man, you're a weirdo, dude. Stop, you're a Jesus freak. Stop being weird, man. You're one of those people that knock people on the head. Stop with that. Calm down. Don't talk around that around people. You're weird. You're a freak. They think you're in a cult, right? This is how, how we they think you're just that weird Jesus freaky person when you're actually just trying to be obedient. And, and they may gossip or, or talk around your back and view your zeal and love for Jesus as an actual sickness. They are like they think you have mental problems where, where, where they just have to kind of bear with you until you deconstruct and go the other way and you, you heal and you get over this Jesus thing or, or the weird uh, problem that you're going through. Now, other families may be just super apathetic. They're like, whatever. They, they may avoid you like the plague. Like when you go there, they're like, oh, gosh. <laughs> and then they just go away and they talk to somebody else. Uh, they may smile. Good old southern people like to smile. They get a nice smile, right? And they may smile at family gatherings, um, but they just don't care about you. They really don't. And they don't care about your Jesus. They think you're a freak. They may uh, uh, they, they, they want to stay physically and spiritually, like, all just super away from you because they can't and don't like confronting your Christian kookiness. And so... As our second point teaches, guys, Jesus heals humanity. He heals humanity to see now, but our family can't see. And so we must lovingly fight through family's rejection. Lovingly, right? Lovingly fight through, fa- through family's rejection. doesn't mean just being nice all the time. You may have to confront them and have a conversation which may pull more, so that's the American problem sometimes for us believers is like, everything, we're just leaving in this weird tension for 20 years when Jesus is saying, no, step in there, say what you need to say, and it may get further, but God can use that to then bring it back together instead of just letting it linger for 20 years, this awkward relationship. Sometimes confrontation is good, but you have to pray, Holy Spirit, help me enter this the right way, lovingly, So Jesus, second point, Jesus heals humanity to see now, but our family can't see oftentimes, so we must lovingly fight through family's rejection, doubt, and disappointment, okay? We have to love them. In in their doubt and rejection, we have to love them. Sometimes that means separation, and and honestly, it can take time and years for Jesus's healing to come about, but sometimes, you know, Jesus's healing never comes in family stuff, and that stinks, And, and many times, uh, your family will stay blind for the entire course of your life. And that's what Jesus is telling you to carry. And, and, and it's, it's the burden he's telling you to carry. But sometimes, sometimes they actually come around. And so, again, many of you may have a great family. Sometimes they actually, guys, come around to see Jesus. And that's, that's what I call lifetime discipleship. A lot of times you want to, oh, they don't care about Jesus, whatever, I hate you. That's not, the, that's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is to step into the conversation. They're like, I hate you, I never want to see you. Come back again, try again, try again. Uh, eventually, you know, family and, and some of you who are younger, when you have those babies, the parents, some, if you have decent parents, they start to be like, oh, okay. Eh, whatever uh, I'll, I'll deal with you a little more and that that can be the bridge sometimes um, to to build those relationships and to have the lord work in what again lifetime discipleship not something that in America we want that we're the microwave and TikTok we want things right now and god is like no persevere to the end it's going to take you 5 10 15 20 years for all the, the, the for good things to happen it takes time again you may have a great family that loves Jesus, and amen for that. That's awesome. But many believers are abandoned by their biological families when it, when when they come to Christ. So let's have compassion and think of those believers who are around us who, who, um, who struggle with this. Look up and be aware and ask God to remove the blindness from your families that are like this. Because some of us do have families in that kind of American weird space. And that we may be directly um, pray that, that we may be directly, um, you know, um, connected to, you know, those families that we're connected to, I pray that, man, we just really um, ask the Spirit, you know. It may, and it may not be your family. maybe may be another family. But, but pray. Let's, let's pray right now in your heart that the Lord will allow, you know, us not to bend to our culture pressure and our family pressures um, and, and, and not only um, affect those around us, because those things will, will not only affect us, but they will affect those people uh, around us. Like our, our, the, the families that we face, the people that we know, it, 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 won't, it doesn't just affect you, right? It affects your siblings. It affects your neighborhood sometimes. Um, and so this is a really important thing. But, let, but all, a lot of times all you can do is pray, and just what Jesus says, take it one day at a time. And so that leads to our third point. That Jesus, he heals, he actually heals, guys. He's in the business of healing people and healing humanity so that we can actually see now, not tomorrow, right now. But then we get in the way. Ourselves can't see. That's our third point. Let's look at verses 24 through 34, and we probably relate to the blind man here. It says, For the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, he says, now I see. Jesus is in the business of healing now. Verse 26, and they said to him, what did, he, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already. Have you ever been there, someone? You're trying to tell them the truth about something or about Jesus, and they just can't see. He says, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Now, this is another defective sense. Hearing is defective in the story now. Not not from the blind man, from the religious leaders. Why do you want to hear it again, he says. He's talking about ears now. Do you also want to become his disciples? Oh, I get it. You, You want to follow him now? And they reviled him. They're mad at him saying, you are his disciple." We don't want to be his disciples. So we're disciples of Moses, they go back to their culture again. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. The blind man says, you do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. And then verse 31, he says, we know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. The blind man says, he says, Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a, of a man born blind. Now the blind man starts to see something, right? Look at verse 33. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing, the blind man says. And they answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Doesn't that happen to us? You, you, you try to reveal the truth like the Jews They did not understand, nor did Jesus' disciples. Because the common thought in Jewish and far Middle Eastern culture and many other even recent cultures was that if you were sick, it was because of your sin. That's why they say this. So your sickness or defect was a curse. Now, biblically, this can be true. There are many scriptures that, that, that talk about sickness connected to sin. Okay? We don't have time to get into all that. That is true sometimes. And that's what everybody thought was true all the times. But again, again, this is true sometimes because sin can lead to physical sickness or death. That's what sin does. But now look at how Jesus answers earlier in our text. John 9, 1, 3, going back to the beginning. It says, as he passed by, Jesus, he saw the blind man from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi. So the disciples think just like the Jews. They say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents that he was born blind? They just wanna know like who, who's guilty, you know, kind of gossip. And Jesus answered, Listen to this. It was, not this man, it was not that this man sinned. Does, does this mean he's perfect? No. It, Jesus is saying he, he didn't do anything wrong to, to be born blind. But look what Jesus says. But that the works of God might be displayed in him. This is so amazing. Jesus is destroying the Jewish cultural view on physical defects and disabilities of people. The people thought the sickness meant there was sin involved. But similar to the story of Job, remember Job, the man, Job did not sin just like the man here. And in this case, his sickness was not tied to his sin, but rather he had this defect, this human defect and disability of blindness. Why? So that the works of God might be displayed in him. Oftentimes, guys, God gives people physical defects. We all may have some in somewhat different ways. But God gives people physical defects so they can glorify him. And this emphasizes our third point today, that Jesus heals humanity to see now, defect or no defect. But ourselves, we just can't see it. So we need to be transformed by Jesus when our flesh is weak. And so we need to think about this. In some cases, think about it. God allows things This is is a metaphor, too, that are not ideal, right? What do we want as humans? Everything perfect. God allows things that are not ideal. He allows defects or disabilities to glorify God. So, So in a similar way, think of your story. Think of the defects that may be there, physical. Maybe you've got some kind of physical ailment. Trials that you've been through, pain, suffering, brokenness. Think of all the family. Think of your family of origin. My mom was like this. My dad was like this. All these things that we struggle with, how you were raised, the things you had, the things you didn't have, the things you wanted. Think of the things that you did not get to choose or ask for in your lives. All those things that may seem like a curse, but are present in your lives. Why? Just like the blind man, so that you would glorify God that you would glorify God and not be spiritually bind, but you would be spiritually able to see how awesome and how powerful and how loving and great our holy God actually is. That's the point. And this leads us to our last point today, y'all, that Jesus heals humanity. He's in the business of healing, to heal us to see right now. And in Christ, guys, The hope is that we can actually see. Look at the text in in the last few verses, verse 9, 35 through 41. They say, it says, Jesus heard that they had cast him, the blind man, out. And having found him, Jesus says, and then Jesus says this to everybody. He confronts the blind man. Do you believe in the son of man? Do you actually, not what you say, not what you think. Do you believe in the son of man? He answered, the blind man and who is he? So we don't, I don't think the blind man has quite saved yet. That's why you see he's struggling. He saw the miracle himself, right? He saw the things. He, he's the one who was healed, and he's still struggling. Just imagine. You think you're not going to struggle? Of course you are, guys. We all struggle with doubt and, and anxiety, fear, depression, or apathy, or just blinders where we're just like, everything's great, everything is awesome, and we're singing Lego song. And we don't realize we're falling into a roller coaster of hell. No matter where you are, good or bad, we're blind. We ourselves are blind. Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you see him? Verse 36, he answers, and who is he? He's like, who is this guy? Sir, that I may believe him. He still doesn't see. And Jesus said to him, you have seen him. His salvation. We're seeing it right in front of us. It, God saves. We don't even save ourselves. A man's just coming to the awareness of it. He says, and it is he who, who is speaking to you. And the blind man is just blown away. And it says in verse 38, he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. This is the point of every sermon of why we do church, of your life, is to, to believe or love God. And John says... He, John, 1 John 3, 23-24, 20, actually tells us that the love of God is to believe in him. That's why our mission statement, love God, love people, make disciples of all nations for God's glory. When you love God, you see. When you love God, you believe. That's what we're seeing here. Lord, I believe. I love you. And he worshiped him. Why? Because God first loved him. Verse 39, Jesus said, for judgment I came to the world. Jesus will judge the world. He said that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. There's a lot of people who actually can see physically, and they can do things, and they got money, and they're that's what he's saying. Those people who are arrogant and walk in that, they're they're actually blind. And those who come to Jesus broken and see their blindness and see their necessity, those are the people Jesus will save and wants to save, and the people he does save and change. Look at verse 40. Some of the Pharisees near to him heard these things and said to him, are are, are we also blind? They're like, are you telling me that I'm blind? Bro, I can see. They can't see their sin, guys. This is the point. And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Now Jesus sees their sin that they can't see. You see, just like he confronted the blind man, Jesus confronts us today in his love and judgment. So do you believe the son of man? Do you believe in the son of man? As Jesus asked the blind man, Jesus is calling us to believe and and this question Jesus asked should challenge and comfort us today. And so to, to know as our final point teaches what? that Jesus, he actually heals humanity to see now. You can see, you can be healed, you can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit right now because of Christ, we can see. We can say, but now I see. So guys, rejoice in that. Rejoice, take some time to just rejoice in Jesus and, 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 fi- and fight. Jesus is gonna call you to fight, not just to sit on your duff at your bottom dollar and do nothing. We ha- this is a spiritual war. If you're not looking around the world and seeing the things, and we're as Americans just doing our same, do 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 sometimes we just get very, very, what, what, I don't know. But I think one day, uh, war has come here before, Pearl Harbor, and um, in our recent times that we were none of us, some of us weren't alive, and um, uh, 9-11, be, be ready. I don't know. I think it's going to call some people to wake up, wake up, and see who, who the church really is. That's not to scare you, but rejoice, be ready to fight in Jesus. And how do you fight? You abide. You live in him. You believe him. You know that he is the one who who allows you to see. So from creation, we saw that Jesus, he, he was proclaiming this gospel story that would become all of our stories. We're just like the blind man. And we have to come, like Adam and Eve did not, we have to come face to face with our blindness. And they actually did, right? When when they committed sin, they tried to cover that they were struggling with something. Jesus is calling us to see him as the Savior, the Messiah, the Chosen One. He is calling his children to see as he puts the metaphorical saliva mud over our eyes to remove the veil of blindness in our sin-sick hearts and eyes that are covered in blindness. Jesus created and he allowed this fall to happen so that we could see our utter blindness, so that we could see um, that that our hearts are full of sin and that he would cover the, the eyes of our hearts. Jesus calls us to stop looking around in darkness for pointless, vain, empty idols and worldly desires and dreams. Jesus says, stop. And he's ask, and he's calling us to ask him to rub our face with the mud and to open our eyes, to see him as he truly is, because it will change the course of your life. The perfect God, who was also man, who came and lived a precious life, perfect, precious life. He was tempted just like you and me, to doubt, to not believe, to not know that he was actually the Messiah. He was tempted just like us, sexual sin desire, Jesus, to do other things. To, he was tempted by Satan himself to say, don't you want all this power and all this stuff? But God put his anger not on us. He put his wrath on Jesus, the perfect son of God who was holy. And he, and he put all of our sin and all the sin of the whole world, he put it on Jesus and, and God dealt with sin. By putting it on his son, who the Bible says who became sin. in that crazy? Jesus became sin, who knew no sin so that we, children, we could become the justice or the righteousness of God. Wow. And then as God's children, he's lifted up, he's lifted these blinders off our eyes so that we can see our sin and how broken and sinful and lost we actually are without our loving, merciful God. We need him so much who calls us to initially repent of our sin and to believe in him initially and then to continue in repentance and belief. That's the love of God. Until when? Until we die loving God more and more every day, which allows us to love people more and more every day, which opens our eyes to see those people and how we're supposed to invest or make disciples in in all kinds of people so that just like the blind man, we can live redeemed lives that glorify God and have a purpose. So rejoice, guys, rejoice. He's healed you. If you know him, he's healed your blindness. If you don't know him, he can heal you from the blindness today and allow you to say, but now I see. And if you are a believer that's struggling, man, fight. That's what we, we, we forget to rejoice and fight. Abide in him, trust him, believe in the gospel, and remember the blindness and sin that he has saved you from. Thank him. When was the last time you thanked him for allowing you to see? And if you don't, just thank him. You will open your heart and mind to see. Look around and see God. Stop looking through the foggy lenses that Satan has put on your eyes that lead you to blindness. Stop. Just look and see Jesus. Worship him. We're going to sing songs right now. Use that time to worship him. That's why we do it together. There's something powerful about doing that together. Worship our great God right now and see all that he has done and all that he is doing and rejoice and fight and abide in Jesus. We're going to end here. Be thankful, family and friends, that you are once lost and blind, but now we see. So worship Jesus today. Remember what we learned today that our first point taught us that Jesus heals humanity to see now, but our culture can't see. So don't believe the lies of the culture. Remember our second point that taught us that Jesus heals humanity to see now, but our family can't see oftentimes. So lovingly fight through family's rejection, doubt, and disappointment. And remember our third point today that taught that Jesus um, heals humanity to see now, but ourselves oftentimes we can't see. We can't see. So be transformed by Jesus when your flesh is weak. You need him. And remember, lastly, that Jesus heals humanity, us, to see now. And in Christ, guys, we can actually see. So rejoice, fight, and abide in Jesus. And remember, Jesus heals humanity. He heals you to see now, tomorrow when you go to work, when you leave the church building, but remember that your, the, our culture is there, our family is there, and we ourselves are blind. But the hope is in Christ. In Christ we can see. So let's live free like we sang. We started singing about this freedom in Christ. And let's live like two children of God who can actually see. Let's pray. Dear Lord, you were just awesome and wonderful and holy. Lord, and we, we admit We can't see. Lord, even the best of us, like John the Baptist, he could not see. He said, is is there another one who is to come? Lord, but we know you came and you gave us your word. You gave us stories like this. A man who was blind from birth, who could not see, who was begging and had no hope. Lord, you gave him physical hope and you gave him spiritual hope. So I pray that for us today. No matter where people are. In brokenness, Lord, in in, in good times, in bad times, just allow us to come now humbly, Lord, and respond to you, Jesus, and and see you more today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.